is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Keith Sherman, and we cover a little bit of everything from his early inspirations with 1776 to the Tony Awards, perspective, fear, what's next, and how change is a constant, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Keith Sherman. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me, Keith Sherman. Keith, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's an honor. I'm happy to be here. Birth, marriage, and death shouldn't be the only times your name appears in the press. We make headlines. I love that from your website. <laughs> and we were talking before we begin that birth announcements don't exist anymore in our society. I don't think millennials, most of them know what a birth announcement is. No. And I'm, I'm so interested to dive into the evolution of public relations and everything you've done to date. I promise we won't go through the whole resume. Before we get to that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams? Growing up. Oh, my God. Well, I could tell you how it started for me. I grew up in Jersey, about 45 minutes from Manhattan. And I have a memory of my English teacher taking our class to see 1776, the, the original production, uh, playing at the, um, oh, it's now the Richard Rogers Theater yeah. on 46th Street. And I was sitting in the second to the last row from the balcony. And you know that final moment when the scrim comes down and the lights shift and there's the Declaration of Independence? Well, yeah. for, for a 13-year-old kid experiencing that, um, we leapt to our feet as an audience. But I had this moment just feeling, uh, I started sweating and I had all these shivers. And I sat down and I said, what the hell was that? And how do I feel it again? Yeah. And it was in that moment that I fell in love with the theater. And as a 16-year-old kid, the bus to New York City stopped in front of my high school. I would cut classes sometimes on a Wednesday afternoon, take the bus to New York, walk up 8th Avenue and buy a standing room ticket for a matinee, and then jump back on the bus and get home before my family knew what I had done. So when my friends were saying, let's play football, Let's play baseball. And I was saying, let's go to a matinee. <laughs> was there a define? I mean, was that the defining moment? For you? Well, it was that 1776 it moment. And it just, you know, by the time, you know, shortly thereafter, I was, I had fallen in love. I remember when I was eight, my next door neighbor gave me three LPs. And two were by a group called the Supremes. Hmm. And I fell in love with three black girls from Detroit. And by the time I was 12, I remember going to my public library on Thursdays and waiting for Variety to come in because there was a column that said which acts were playing in nightclubs around the country. And I could follow the Supremes to different nightclubs around the country. And then I would turn the page and I was starting to read Variety. I was uh. 12, and I haven't stopped since. And I just fell in love with the business of entertainment. And fortunately, I learned at a very early age, I had zero talent as an actor. So I, I didn't really pursue that track, yeah. but I've been a salesman since you know I was a kid. And today, when people ask me what I do for a living, I'm often fond of saying that I sell two hours of magic in a dark room. Mm. I think it might be too premature to ask the question, but I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask anyway. 
how, how have you gotten better at that, at selling two, two and a half hours of magic in a dark Well, there's, there's subtlety. It's all about human relationships. It's ultimately how to sell. You know, how to sell two hours of magic, looking at your assets, but it's human relations. It's how do you interact with other people and how are you forming and enhancing and thriving in, in your relationships with other people? It really boils down to the, to the basics of that. Yeah. What did, your, what did your parents teach you about work ethic? Oh, my father... Um, Ran a front, owned and operated a furniture store in New Jersey, hmm. and the farthest thing in the world from the entertainment business. But I saw him, he worked in retail, so he left the house early in the morning and he would come home late at night. And he worked on Saturday sometimes because the store was open, and that's what provided, uh, you know, for our family. That's what sent me to college. That's what you know, as, as a teenager sent me uh, traveling to Europe mm. as a boy. And, you know, he was very successful. And I respected how hard he worked. And today, I have a very strong work ethic. I, I, I am working from the moment that my eyes open in the morning until they close at night. And in, in a funny way, it's work, but I don't really consider it that. It's just my DNA it's just part of who I am and it's to me I consider it just a large swirl life yeah. combining the personal elements and the professional elements bouncing back and forth all day long yeah. do you take any downtime or is that you oh to yes. your point you yes of course you know um, I my husband and I go on on you know sometimes we get away a couple of weeks ago, we were in Florida for a week. Of course, I was on my computer a lot. <laughs> I was on Zooms a lot. I was taking a lot of calls. But I was in 84 degrees at, at, at the pool. So, But the swirl again. So I'm away. But I yeah. was working. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Do you have, or I guess in the current or in the past, any mentors? And are there any standout lessons? Oh, my God, yes. I've been blessed with quite a few. Um, there was a gentleman named Harvey Sabinson, who was the very first executive director. Back then, it was called the League of New York Theaters and Producers, which subsequently became the League of American Theaters and Producers, and mm -hmm. it is now called the Broadway League. And uh, I met Harvey through my... I've had my PR firm now for 33 years, but mm. before that, I worked for a fellow named Lee Salters and his partner, Sheldon Roskin, Salters, Roskin, Friedman, mm. and Lee was a force. So the company at the time was representing people like Sinatra and Streisand. We launched Thriller from Michael Jackson. We launched Whitney Houston. I was working on the original production of 42nd Street and the RSC when it came to Broadway one year. But I learned so much from these guys. And uh, it was at that time uh, when Alex Cohn, after 20 years, lost the gig of producing the Tony Awards. And a change was made. And all of a sudden, Lee got hired by his former partner, Harvey. Mm. And I was the guy in the office doing the handling the Tony Awards. And it started for me in 1987. 
I lasted for three years with Lee, then I formed my own company, and it's the Tony stayed with me for another 15 years. And I, my last year was the year of Wicked and, um, uh, oh God. Avenue Q. My last year was the Wicked, the year of Wicked and Avenue Q, mm. 2003 and 2004. Mm. And subsequent to that, I've been representing the Drama Desk Awards and I also handle the Cheetah Rivera Awards now. To date, you have communicated <laughs> with so many different individuals in the industry, from producers to writers to performers. And I'm, I'm sure you've witnessed a lot of different human behaviors, choices, and ways of being. <laughs> I'm curious, are there any standout interactions? Oh my I'm, God, what a question. Commendable behaviors are less than? You know, working in the theater, I mean, it's a crazy business. It so is. I've seen people behave with grace and dignity, mm. and I've seen quite the opposite. Yeah. And I've seen people behave um, badly. Mm. And, you know, we don't need to talk about the bad stuff, but it's the grace and dignity that inspires me and that I choose to embrace and share that with the people in my life because mm. I think that's winning. I had a conversation with a couple years ago now, Andrew Zerman uh, casting, and he said to me, Clayton, it is always cleaner to be nice. I'm an optimist. And I agree. <laughs> I am an optimist. I keep Me that too. in my heart and I share that. And I, I just think that's a great way to live your life. It's a choice that you have to make. It is a choice. Yes. Because sometimes people, things can happen to you intentionally or unintentionally. Right. right. But it doesn't really matter. It's how you respond to it or decide to. That's exactly right. Um, I'm fond of saying that we are not responsible for other people's behavior, mm -hmm. but we are responsible for our response to it, mm -hmm. how we respond. Mm -hmm. So when other people don't behave in a, in a good way, how do we choose to deal with that and how do we handle that? Mm. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? It it's is. It's interesting. Yeah, it makes me just want to not, it makes me want to think <laughs> for a moment. I um, Just moving along here, projects. Is there any particular project that has taught you a significant amount about yourself or the most? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I live with an open heart and an open perspective. I live in the moment and um, I'm interested, I'm informed by the past, but I deal with the present. Hmm. Um, I think about today and what's on my plate and, and, and what I'm dealing with and what I'm responsible for yeah. and I'm planning for tomorrow. So I, I, I take all of that and, and embrace all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that answer. Um, Salters, Roskin, Friedman. Without giving away any secret sauce, what are some massive standout lessons in communication that you learned from your time there? Oh, my goodness. Um, I learned from masters how to, how to treat people and how not to treat people. Yeah. And I think if you observe human behavior, which is, you know, what is the theater but making behavior overt. Mm. Um, if, if you observe that with the keen eye and, and an open heart, it's, it's winning. I mean, I, I can't say, you know, on, on Tuesday or on this particular show, I, I witnessed this, but 
you know, we, we, we have careers, we have lives, we have experiences, and mm. it's, it's important and necessary to grow. We learn the lessons from the failures in our life, and we learn the most from, you know, the mistakes that we made. Do you have a favorite failure or apparent failure that set you up for success? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and I recognize what they were. And I've learned from them. And I've grown from them. And I've become a better person and a better professional because I can reflect on some of, you know, having said the wrong thing or you know, not being genuine at, at a moment, yeah. trying to anticipate what somebody wanted to hear perhaps as opposed to what they should have been told. Hmm. I notice in entertainment that many shortfalls or mistakes actually happen from what you just said, which is, not saying what's supposed to be said or, or, you know, someone was too afraid to stand up and say, this isn't working. It's not you. It's not me. Maybe it is me. Maybe it is you, but we have to change something. It's not working. And I feel like that snowballs all too often. And you have a, an entire, you know, production or situation where it's like someone knew it. Someone didn't say, it. why wasn't there more communication? Why weren't we more honest and open <laughs> with each other as a production? So we all deal with a lot of bullshit. In life and in the theater, it's heightened because there's just, there's a lot of fake people. There's a lot of fakery. Yeah. Um, you know, so much of what we do is seeking authenticity yeah. and, and, and finding people to work with collaborators that we're going to trust, um, who's, who, whose back we're going to have and mm. people who are going to have our back. And as time has passed, I've become much more open and candid and transparent in all of my uh, dealings with with people ac across the board in life, because you know it doesn't. If 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 you lie, you just have to remember what you what you, <laughs> who you said to what. But if you're telling the truth constantly, it's easier. It's easier, and it's and it's all the same. And sometimes you just have to let the chips fall where they're going to fall. Yeah. And you have to speak your mind and speak your perspective. Look, I get into trouble for that a lot. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like hearing truth and being yeah. and, 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 and a candid perspective. But those may not necessarily be the people that are gonna last for a long time in my life. Mm. And I've been blessed with many, many relationships that have lasted over decades with staff, with clients, with my husband, and I think it's all because I, I, I speak the truth and I speak candidly and openly mm. and transparently. And I think, you know, you just have to let things fall where they're going to fall. Yeah. But I think that's that's winning. I like that. That yeah. works for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and more gets accomplished correctly <laughs> you cut from the, truth. You cut through the crap. That's and it. you just go forward with a degree of velocity. Mm. And our world today is nothing if not sped up. Yeah. It goes really fast. Yeah. You know, oftentimes you don't have time to reflect because you're just moving so quickly yeah. to make anything happen. Yeah. Yeah. After, after your time with um, Salters, Roskin, and Friedman, going, go, creating Keith Sherman and Associates, mm -hmm. what, was that, what was that mental journey for you? 
to that was a beautiful moment so i remember the catalyst very well i had met right after the 1988 winter olympics a fellow named brian bortano Mm. who had just won the gold medal for uh, america for figure skating and he had hired a publicist that he was unhappy with the olympics were in february i met him in the summer and we had dinner one night and we immediately bonded and he asked me to handle a tour that he was going to be doing that bill graham was producing that he was going to star in with katarina vett who had just won the gold medal for east germany before the countries were unified yeah um and i was bringing this into the office and i kept saying to my boss you know hello I'm bringing in all this work. I mean, that was one project of many, and yeah. you know, I wanted a raise and you know, just more better, and yeah. it wasn't forthcoming. And at one point, I decided I could build a better mousetrap, and it was time. Yeah. And Roy, my husband, and I had been together for about three years at that point, and I had um, a basis of strength in my heart, and I was ready to take this risk. And I said to myself, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? All my clients leave me, and I have to find a job somewhere else. That was 33 years ago. Hmm. And I started my business with five clients. Brian was one. There was a musical called Mama, I Want to Sing, which interestingly is now celebrating its 40th anniversary at the Heckscher Theater (laughs) right now. And I'm handling it again, all these decades later. I love that. Um, And then the... A few weeks later, the Tony Awards came with me. So it, it was an interesting beginning. I remember on Boxing Day of 1989, moving into a friend's apartment, his loft on 20th Street, before I hadn't rented an office, he had something called a fax machine at that point. <laughs> and that was like high tech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the future. <laughs> so I moved into his loft. We were there. We and we launched this tour with Bortano and Witt and Bill Graham. We had a big com- press conference at Woman Rink. And you know, it was interesting too because it was just weeks after the Berlin Wall had fallen. Hmm. And I was now handling one person one East German celebrity that was known to Americans who actually spoke English, Katerina. I had them everywhere launching this tour. It was an amazing moment from this loft on 20th Street. That was in December and January. In February, I moved into my first office in Times Square on 44th Street, right across from Undertois, the restaurant. Oh my God. And that just started my journey. And that's 33, you just celebrated 33? That was Boxing Day this past December was 33 years. It's crazy. And it feels like the snap of a finger. I mean, I look back, it just, it all feels so recent. But, you know, when I look through the the list of projects that I've represented, it just, it it just boggles my mind. If you're willing to speak on fear for a moment and what's on the other side of it, you know, what you had mentioned, which is like, what's the worst that could happen? I think that's so empowering when someone actually internalizes that and realizes it's going to be okay, whatever you do in life, and how much further you can go in your own life if you just take that risk. Risk taking to me is a vital thing. You just—I've never been one to play it safe. 
Um, I love that. I work in the theater for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. You know, if 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 I was playing it safe, I I would have you know worked for a, a hotel or a bank or something. But that's never been in my heart, and I've mm -hmm. always allowed my heart to rule. You know, and it's a balance. I mean, on one hand, my head is in the clouds, but yet my feet are planted firmly on the ground. Mm. So, and I'm not even that tall, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's this duality of life where mm -hmm. you can embrace both concepts at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's about balance and, and how you balance your life out. But yes, take a risk. What, what are you going to lose? You know, you lick your wounds and then you go forward. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite words in the world, it's this great four letter word. <laughs> the word is next. And I embrace the concept of next after every failure and every success. And it comes to me from, a, from how Prince's actions at the height of his success, whenever he opened a show, regardless failure or super hit, the very next morning after an opening night, he and his collaborators would sit down and start talking about their next show. Mm. So regardless of what happened the night before, next. Mm. It works for me. It does. And I share that with people and it, and it opens many eyes. Yeah. And that, it comes from that optimism though, which is truly from within I mean that yes. can't be yeah I guess it can be taught but it can't be really I mean you have to make it's that in choice. a it's in my heart I mean you can you you can think about it but really it's action that matters not less words and, and less pondering but yeah how do you behave behavior again the theater what is direction but making behavior overt hmm. taking words off the page acting to do not just to talk about. It's like, you know, professionally, I go to a lot of meetings. I sit down, you know, we sit and we talk and we talk. I could do meetings morning, noon, and night, but you got to do the work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, okay, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to do, but then to do, do it, make it happen. Yeah. That's what I do. That's what my staff and I do. That's what I love to do. Make things happen. Initiate change relationships in the industry. I want to hear about your views on relationships in the industry. We talked before we were sort of recording on the long game, you know, cultivating genuine relationships that are evergreen. It's not just the industry. It's, it's life. It's, well, yeah. it's a way any human um, interprets their life and decides to live their life. And, and, you know, again, I'll reiterate just from an open and candid perspective, but seeking authentic relationships with people on every level yeah. so I've been in business for 33 years right now we're a staff of five one fellow has been with me for 23 years another of my associates is with me for 21 years our assistant is with us for 15 years uh, my husband and I just celebrated 36 years I've had several clients for multiple decades and that's meaningful to me mm. I mean that to me, that's my heart. I love that. And mm. there, there are reporters and journalists. I ran into a, a, a fellow yesterday at a, an event that I was handling. He's with, um, he's a, a leading critic at a newspaper now, but I've known the guy for 30 years over several different jobs and several different gigs. And 
it comes into mm. play, cultivating relationships and being candid and open with people. I hadn't seen him in years, but bang, yeah. we saw each other and we were... <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was great. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.